The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. Welcome to the Holding Short Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Clarissa Dean. Clarissa's interest in aviation started when she was enrolled at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. During her studies, she met several students taking the aviation program through her weather and climate class, and from there, she was hooked. After polishing up her French skills at Université Sainte-Anne, she enrolled in the Atlantic Flight Attendant Academy. She began her career at Porter Airlines the day after graduation as a temporary customer service representative and was chosen to stay on permanently after the holiday rush. After a year of dipping her toes into the aviation world, she applied and accepted the only flight attendant position for the Halifax base in Porter's 45th flight attendant class. One year into the dream job, she accepted the challenge of upgrading to an in-flight purser until the layoffs in March of 2020. She is really looking forward to serving the friendly skies in 2021. Welcome, Clarissa. Hi there. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great as well. And so with that, let's jump right on in. How did you get your start in aviation? Well, um, I guess I was interested first in aviation when I attended Mount Allison University. Um, I was taking a lot of geography courses at the time, and a lot of the aviation students uh, were taking the same uh, courses. So I met some friends through some of the courses and I went flying a few times with them um, out of Moncton. And after that, I was pretty well hooked. One of my friends from Mount A, he, um, well, before COVID, he's flying for jazz now. So it's really cool to see someone actually, um, actually get up in the air after meeting. And uh, we're both on our separate uh, career paths now. So um, after that, I debated being a pilot, but at that time, the industry wasn't as good as it is um, as it had been prior to COVID. Um, so it wasn't really recommended for me at the time. So I started looking at the best way to go about being a cabin crew member. So I went to, um, St. Anne's university for French, just to polish up, um, my second language skills. Um, after that, I went to the Atlantic flight attendant Academy in Halifax. And, um, it was really good there to, you know, kind of build up my resume and to tweak, um, tweak my resume with some good keywords that would be looked at by airlines, as well as I learned how to do um, an interview in English and in French. Um, so it really got me confident and prepared for that. Must have worked because then I, um, the day after my graduation, I was hired by Porter Airlines as a customer service representative. I was only temporary at that time. And it was around Christmas time when I was uh, when I was hired, uh, so I was really temporary just for the Christmas rush. But then um, I was luckily chosen to stay permanently, so I stayed at that for about a year, and I really got a taste of aviation and what the whole industry was like from the ground side. Um, always wanting to be a flight attendant, and after about a year, um, my uh, opportunity arose with Porter, and I was employed as a flight attendant about a year later. After another year, I upgraded to be a purser. I think it's really interesting that part of the uh, cabin crew member prep you took on was uh, polishing up 
sort of both official Canadian languages and also certain buzzwords that you would find in resumes and uh, I guess trying to sort of promote yourself. What were some of those words? Ooh, <laughs> that's dating myself now. That was a few years ago. Um, I would say um, on my resume, a big one that I remember is when you write your objective of, of why you want the job, it, you know, you want to avoid words like, because I like traveling. Do you want to stand out and say to provide comfort and safety to passengers rather than, you know, just saying that the more stereotypical, glamorous flight attendant words, right? You know, you want to highlight that you actually care about the job itself and what you do um, while you're on the clock rather than um, what you're doing off the clock. <laughs> now, you said that you had upgraded to the role of a purser in the last uh, few years. Could you explain to me the difference between a purser and a flight attendant? So the purser, um, kind of the job description is the purser oversees the flight attendant. However, I really take on the role believing that the roles of both can blend a lot. Um, it's supposed to be more of a team environment. I don't really like the position of being, um, you know, you are an authority figure, but I don't like being like a dictator or intimidating or anything like that. So I, I believe the roles can blend, but um, ultimately a purser, they lead the briefing, the safety briefing that we conduct prior to um, our first day and of, of flying. Um, so you just ensure that uh, your teammates know um, that they are up to date with their knowledge, um, that they're professional, that they've come to work prepared and all of that. So the purser also is at the front of the aircraft, talking about Porter Airlines, um, the purser boards and c conducts pre-flight inspections from what it's called the 1L, so the front of the aircraft. The purser typically conducts the announcements, um, specifically the welcome announcement, and plays the D-Pass, so our um, announcements, our recorded announcements, uh, such as like the safety demonstration that we do, and they also conduct a passenger count. Um, again, the flight attendant can um, aid in any or all of these um, roles, but typically that's what the, uh, the, the, pers the purser is responsible for overseeing the flight attendant as well as all the responsibilities at the 1L or at the front of the aircraft. The flight attendant briefs um, any special attention passengers that we have um, more at the or seated um, around the aft of the aircraft. So um, that would include like pets in the cabin, infants, anything like that, any um, special attention passengers um, like that. Um, and they are responsible for catering. Um, so making sure that we have everything that we need um, to conduct service during the flight. Um, and uh, oh, I'm forgetting, most importantly, get drinks for our pilots. That's definitely a flight attendant role. <laughs> Coffee, tea, water, juice, or sometimes like those little soups that we have on board too, that you just add water and stir. They ask for that a lot too. <laughs> now, can you tell us a bit more about the day-to-day -day of your role? Yes. So um, we report as, um, so pilots and flight attendants were kind of um, all together at this point. So we, we report one hour before our flight. We all meet up together, um, usually in the crew room if we're starting, um, you know, the head start, if we're starting pairing. Uh, so we conduct what I was talking about before, uh, a safety briefing with the entire crew. So the pilots kind of give us um, 
Details of the flight plan, so the duration of the flight, the number of passengers we're expecting per flight, um, the altitude and weather. So that would include um, a prediction of any sort of turbulence that we might encounter during the flight. So that can kind of give us cabin crew a good idea of when to conduct service, when's a good time to be walking around um, the cabin rather than, you know, so just, so, just so we know about that. And then it kind of rolls over to the purser and the purser often leads the uh, safety briefing. So topics include alternate methods of uh, communication, um, some safety. Uh, we discuss an emergency every day, uh, just so we're kept current, as well as um, some security features that uh, we should be prepared for uh, during the day. Um, <laughs> we take the pilot drink orders, caught VT water. Um, and then we kind of make our way to the gate, um, at which point the gate agent gives the purser um, the manifest. So we know the location of any special attack attention passengers. Um, so we're prepared for them. Um, so then we get onto the aircraft. We conduct a pre-flight um, inspection of any of the safety equipment, the doors. We make sure the laboratory is in good working order. Um, so this pre-flight inspection um, happens when? At the beginning of a head start, so the first time the aircraft is flown during the day. If it's partway through the day and we meet the crew um, offloading the aircraft before us, we um, it, it's acceptable for us just to kind of say everything's good or if there is a concern, we just say, oh, you know, this, this is not working, but maintenance knows about it. They're going to show up and help us out with that. But if everything's good to go, then there's no really need to conduct a thorough pre-flight inspection if the other crew is just getting off at the same time. So at that point, then we start boarding. We do um, a pre-board if there's any special attention passengers that wish to board first. So that could include passengers requiring a wheelchair or underage passengers, so un unaccompanied minors. Um, anybody like that? And then uh, we start our general boarding. Then we, the purser would, um, after everyone's brief, everyone's on, comfy, bags all fit and everything, um, we conduct a passenger count, give the pa passenger count to the uh, pilots, we close the door, we close up, and uh, we the purser would then, or the flight attendant, depending, would conduct a um, welcome announcement, and we then go right into our safety demonstration. Um, once we're airborne, uh, we do service. On Porter, we have free um, beverages and snacks. Um, so this service kind of depends on the length of the flight. You know, if we're leaving from Halifax, going to Ottawa, um, going westbound, it's about a, two, you know, about a two-hour flight. So, you know, we, we might not bolt out right away with service, but we'll, um, within the half hour or so from leaving, 20 minutes maybe, uh, we'll, we'll start our in-flight service and depending also on um, the turbulence predictions that was given from to us from the pilots during our safety briefing. And then we, um, after we conduct service, uh, we clear in any garbage or any rubbish that anyone wants to throw away. Uh, we do seconds, of course. I don't deny seconds. Um, and then we get a top of descent announcement from the pilots. We check for bells, make sure everything's stowed in preparation for landing. 
Um, typically for, with Porter, we fly about one to five legs a day, depending. And we often, for I'm Halifax based, um, so we typically do a maximum of three day pairings. It could vary from a single day, two day, or three days. My preference is usually two days. It's a healthy mix of being away and having a layover and seeing new new cities. Um, but it's not, you know, you're not sick of the people that you work with by the end of the, the two days, I find. So it's a, health, a nice, healthy balance. <laughs> I can definitely see on a longer uh, crew pairing that you might be ready to see different people by the end of it. So a two-day pairing does sound, uh, based on what you've explained, like the ideal. It is, for me anyway. Um, Porter's unique in that we stay with the same crew typically um, the entire pairing duration. That includes pilots too, which I really like. Um, it really drives home the concept of a, of a one crew concept. So you're familiar and you're comfortable um, with your crew, um, pilots and cabin crew both. So we, we all stick together for the entire time, like like a nice little family. And in, um, in Halifax, we are a smaller base, much like Ottawa is. Um, so everyone knows everyone and we're, we're, we're pretty tight that way. So, but yeah, by day three at the end, you're like, oh, wow, is it ready to go home? Just about. <laughs> And so you initially began your cabin crew training at the Atlantic Flight Attendant Academy, but that is not the same as individual airline training. So what was the onboarding and training process like with Porter? Um, so with Porter, um, it includes five weeks of training um, in Toronto. So I got to stay in a hotel downtown for five weeks. Um, so it's pretty intense, honestly. It's, it's a lot different than the flight attendant academy. Um, we review our the flight attendant manual that we're given um, upon um, completion of training. Uh, so we're, we get real, real familiar with the, the flight attendant manual. Um, we have to recreate a variety of um, emergency procedures, and emergency situations, and get comfortable with um, what to do in the event of, of an emergency, um, we do our drills, we do shout out commands. Um, we, at the last week, I believe, we kind of get into more service um, and catering and what's expected of, of us that way, you know, professionalism. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, we have a mix of practical and written assessments throughout the, um, the duration of training. Uh, and then after um, we have successfully completed that, um, we have to go back every year So an for annual training. Um, now we have um, a flight simulator of a Q400 in, um, in Toronto. Uh, whereas before, when I first started, we would just do training on an actual aircraft that was just sitting in a hangar. If we wanted like um, hands-on training, um, practical assessments that day. Uh, whereas now we can do them um, at an access simulator where they simulate smoke and um, different sounds. Um, so it's kind of more lifelike rather than um, pretending, which is kind of cool. Uh, we also have to do dangerous goods training and first aid every three years, I believe. Um, and of course, in training um, annually, we also cover security, different security um, situations that have happened throughout the year and uh, ones to prepare for. What is the most rewarding aspect of your role? The most rewarding aspect of my role would um, honestly be helping people. Um, 
make their flying experience and their travels um, seamless. I want passengers to feel safe when they're on my flight. I want them to, I, I want to provide as much comfort as I possibly can. I want people just to be relaxed and um, be in a, a stellar mood whenever I'm um, dealing with passengers at all. Um, I, even on a bad day, that's something that's happened outside of my control. I want to do everything that I can to make, um, to make up for it um, the best I can. So yeah, I just, I really enjoy helping people and um, empathizing with, uh, with with passengers and just uh, just making sure that everything goes well. With customer service being a part of your role, um, definitely wanting to make sure that people leave with a, a positive customer service experience. And if you can make their day a little bit better than when it started or when they first arrived on board your aircraft, that always really, really resonates with passengers. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Now, what is the biggest misconception people have about cabin crew members? I find that um, cabin crew members are perceived to be to have a very glamorous job. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen the new show on uh, on Crave, The Flight Attendant. <laughs> I wish it was more like that. Well, no. <laughs> Um, it is, it really portrays, um, us as, as being in a really glamorous role, which, you know, when we're walking as a crew in our really beautiful uniforms, it, it can feel really glamorous. We get to see so much, have so many really cool experiences in, in different cities, meet so many really, really cool people. Um, however, there's another side that people may not realize that cabin crew members are responsible for. Um, I have been on my knees scraping gum off seats. You know, we um, we go through asking for, for garbage, um, but people usually leave a little something in the seat back pocket um, that we're, we're, as well as customer service representatives who are awesome, um, have to clean on full offloads. So you'd be surprised where it gets left behind. Um, air sickness is a thing. It, depending on seasons, I find when the seasons change, especially spring and fall, it tends to be a wee bit more turbulent. So I find, uh, you know, air sickness is definitely something that I've had to um, contend with. Um, keeping up with the cleanliness of the lavatory is uh, is a job in itself <laughs> that I wouldn't describe as glamorous. Um, <laughs> a story I'd like to share with you. Um, I had an emotional support animal. <laughs> His name was Leroy. <laughs> he was a uh, French bulldog. And being a, an emotional support animal, he didn't provide a lot of emotional support because I think he himself needed emotional support to the point where his bowels were a little loose and to the point where it was all up the side of the, the sidewall. <laughs> and it was also very turbulent that day. So again, not not a very glamorous situation on that really hot 30 degree day either. <laughs> so uh, there's different things that come up. Um, you know, no job is perfect. Um, but those are kind of the, the things that I, I don't think a lot of people realize that we have to do. Um, so it, it's not just all what, what you see on TV. Thinking back to your explanation of the training and onboarding process, you mentioned that sort of service is only a fraction of what the cabin crew members are trained on, and the majority of it does come down to safety. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've heard people describe us as 
waitresses in the sky, which um, on the outside, that's what it definitely appears to be. Um, but, you know, I'm constantly thinking all the time if, you know, if I have a full load of 74 people, um, I'm constantly thinking of every single one of their needs all the time. We're thinking of the mother with the lap held infant, how she's doing, if she needs a bathroom break, if I should hold the baby, if not, if I should ask. Um, you're thinking of things all the time and um, making sure everyone's comfy and happy and safe. And on top of that, you're, you're also thinking about, you know, um, on-time performance and schedule completion, which is not the most important thing, obviously. Obviously, that comes after safety, but um, it, it definitely factors into it and what, what you can do in your control to affect um, these important aspects of, of, a cab, of a crew member's day. Do you have any major passenger pet peeves? I, it's really nice when people are considerate, when, um, when they actually say hi and bye, when I'm standing there welcoming or um, saying farewell to, to passengers as they're offloading. Um, you know, that that's would be number one when I'm at, describing a model passenger for myself, um, I would say just, you know, when, when they are considerate, um, it drives me up the wall when I stand there and say, hello, hi, can I see your boarding pass? And they don't say anything. And I understand that, it, you know, everyone is flying for a different reason, not always a good reason. Um, but, you know, I, I really wouldn't mind a hello or a goodbye. It's really nice. Um, you know, being punctual is, is another, I would group that under being considerate. Um, you know, I know things happen all the time, but, you know, everyone knows when you travel, you have to give yourself a lot of time. And sometimes things happen, that, that's, that's fine. But punctuality is definitely um, appreciated. Um, you know, just being considerate to um, myself as a cabin crew member, any of my teammates, as well as um, other passengers, just be considerate to people around you. Um, you know, I, I really admire when passengers are patient, although that can be a tall order sometimes. Um, I understand that things happen, um, you know, delays happen, weather happens, mechanicals happen. So, um, Patience is appreciated, but I, I do understand any any sort of um, complaints that come our way. Um, but it, it, you know, it has to be understood that um, aviation isn't a perfect industry. Um, we do have um, every airline has good days and bad days, so you know, being patient is, is definitely appreciated as well. As well as being prepared, you know, um, a model passenger for me would believe me the first time when I say, you know, that, that bag probably won't fit overhead. You might want to, want to gate, gate quarter that. <laughs> if they just believe me the first time, I think everybody would be a lot happier and, and things just go more efficiently that way. But, um, but you know what? I, I, uh, those are pretty well my, my asks for, for a model passenger, but, um, I'm not trying to be too picky. <laughs> Now, mentorship and a sense of community are integral parts of other facets of the aviation industry. Is this the case as well with cabin crew members? Absolutely. Um, I would say, as I kind of described earlier, Halifax base is quite small and um, everyone kind of knows each other. Um, 
So we learn to um, to get to know everybody. Um, Quarter prides itself on having, um, you know, it's really important every day to have a, a one crew concept where we sometimes we have to make decisions all together, pilots and cabin crew all together. Um, so it's it's important to trust your team. That be be it that um, I, I'm trusting the pilots that I'm with. I trust my flight attendant um, that I'm working with that day, um, and. The flight attendant I'm working with trusts me as well. I think um, a mutual sense of trust is very important. Um, it's important to be able to speak up. Um, that, that's a very important safety feature. Um, in a run of a day, if you don't feel comfortable raising a, a concern to your higher up or to your teammate, um, that can lead to a really dangerous situation. Um, so, for example, if I smell an odd smell, an odd, say, burning hot smell in the cabin, if I don't really trust that the pilots up front are going to really take well to that, if they're going to just laugh it off, if they're going to make me feel embarrassed for bringing this up, you know, that, that's that's dangerous. That's me not bringing up something that could result in a huge safety concern or even an emergency. Um, be it, the same thing with um, another example could be um, if the flight attendant at the back had a really weird vibe with a passenger or um, just thought, felt that something was off and, you know, we're supposed to be able to communicate that to each other, just bounce it off each other and be like, you know, did, did, did you feel that? Like, you know, three C, does, does he seem a little um, odd to you? Does he seem a little nervous? Like, was he rude to you? Like, you know, and if we both get this sense of um, awkwardness or this sense of heightened alertness, then, um, you know, that, that is just something that we can be aware of. Maybe it's nothing or maybe it's something, right? So it's really important to speak up and be able to, uh, to trust your teammates. Um, in this industry, um, in this job, in this industry, and in, in a lot of um, different industries as well, um, I really firmly believe that leadership um, means leading and supporting um, your, your fellow teammates. It, it's meant to be a team atmosphere. Not so much what I say goes, right? Um, I, I really enjoy hearing feedback from people that I'm working with. Um, it's not about being intimidating. Um, I want people to be able to come to me with concerns, with questions. And, you know, if I have a question, I want to be able to go to my teammate as well. Um, I don't know everything. I'm, I'm fairly, I'd say I'm fairly new at this job in comparison to um, a lot of people, especially at the Halifax base, a lot of cabin crew members at the Halifax base. So, you know, I want to be able to go to my teammates as well with a question if I if I have it. So, absolutely, I think um, uh, trust and um, having a sense of community is very very important um, for cabin crew members as well as um, for the pilots that we work with too. Now, what is your favorite layover destination for Porter? Uh, oh. Hard to narrow down to one. Um, I'd say Ottawa for sure. Um, I, I know a lot of people in Ottawa. Um, my partner's from Ottawa, so it's really fun to go to work and also see my partner at the same time. It's really awesome. Um, we also stay at a really cool location um, downtown, so it's close to everything. I've been skating on the canal on a layover, which is um, which is really really cool. It's kind of like a dream come true. Um, you know, it's really central to everything. It's safe, I, I find. Um, I'd say my favorite U.S. destination would be Boston. Kind of reminds me of Halifax. 
Um, definitely a bucket list item for me is to go to the Halifax um, tree lighting in Boston someday, if I can ever coordinate that right. Um, but I, I, I do like Boston. It's, it's nice, especially in the summer. Um, and a new favorite that I just, just before COVID started, um, I went to Sault Ste. Marie for clearly not long enough, but it was just so nice. I just, <laughs> it was, uh, it was really nice. Like there's this restaurant attached to the hotel and it was gorgeous and we get a really, really nice discount there too. So I found it really nice. Like, and everybody was really, really kind, like in, in the Sioux as well. So it was kind of a cool experience. I really want to go back there for longer. Um, cabin crew members are generally happy when a hotel has a fridge, microwave, and consistent warm water. So uh, it's, it's the little things for sure sometimes. <laughs> now, I will admit I haven't spent much time in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, but every time I've been there, the people have been very lovely. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's, what I, that's the exact vibe I found too. Now, who is someone in aviation you admire and why? Kate Spear. Um, I really admire her. Um, Kate is friendly and approachable, but she also has this assertiveness to her. Um, that's something that I, I really aspire to be like. Um, I struggle with being, I think, too passive um, at times. I'm, I'm very friendly and I'm a people pleaser. You know, I'm, I'm, that makes me a good flight attendant, but I, I think I really need to learn to have more of an assertive edge to me as well. So I, I, I think Kate Spear definitely has that down pat. Um, and she's also ins uh, very inspiring in that she's always growing and expanding within her career as well, um, which th that's something uh, that I would like to, you know, be able to seek out more opportunities um, uh, to fulfill my interests. And from um, a cabin crew's perspective, um, Blaine Totten, he's our um, base purser in Halifax. Um, he is extremely approachable and efficient and he just has the job down pat so well and I just I, I hope that I can be half of the purser that he's someday um, he's he's definitely someone to look for he's always somebody that I can bounce questions off of um, you know be it career advice um, he makes me want to stay he makes me want to stay at Porter specifically he wants he makes me want to grow in this industry as well um, you know, so he's, he's really inspiring in that way. Well, I don't know Blaine, but I know Kate. And if you're grouping <laughs> the two of them together, then Blaine must also be very, very cool. Now, what is your ultimate aviation career goal? Whew. I've thought about this a lot. Um, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> but uh, I've thrown around some ideas. Um, I've thought of uh, Transport Canada. i thought of... Um, being a cabin safety inspector, um, I thought that would be a really cool, uh, something to strive for, for sure. Um, I thrown around dispatching. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see, you know, the other side of um, the airline industry. Um, I know a few people and actually just the very beginning of COVID, I started, you know, I, I didn't have intentions of, of leaving my purser life or anything, but I just started um, entertaining the idea of dispatching and um, asking some people what the job is like, what the requirements are, and um, looking to job chatter to see if this is something for me or not in the future. Um, you know, I thought of um, a flight service specialist um, for NAF Canada. I've, I've looked at different routes that um, 
that, that could interest me. Um, I'm really interested in aviation safety specifically as well. So, um, you know, um, SMS, um, and being an SMS person at, for, for an airline as well, um, could be an option. <laughs> so I wish I had a more targeted answer because I, I wish I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I also think that it would be, um, it's really hard to tell right now what the industry is going to be like and what, what's going to happen after we, we, we go back after COVID. Um, so I, I think that's uh, to be determined. <laughs> that's one thing that I learned when I got into the industry is that there's, there's so many jobs that I, I never knew existed. There's so many different paths that I, I never knew. And then I, I still don't know. I'm, you know, that's, that's the beauty. And that's what I miss about um, aviation being in the industry is um, constantly learning and, um, you know, meeting new people. And, you know, I, I, I really, not to be cheesy, but I really believe that things will work out as they're supposed to. And, you know, just by meeting someone could lead you on, um, on, a, on a path that you didn't know existed. So time will tell for sure. Now, what advice would you have for someone looking to work as a cabin crew member? Well, this is kind of an exceptional situation right now. But um, once things go back to normal, just go for it. Apply. Try your best, you know, um, tweak up your resume, um, you know, use, use some keywords, you know, you can, um, keywords that make you sound like you're interested in the role itself. Um, once, if I was talking to someone who, um, is a new cabin crew member, um, I would definitely say that you're going to be a lot happier if you are flexible. Um, you know, the schedule itself is, is flexible. Um, but you also need to be flexible too, especially starting out lower seniority because the entire airline industry is seniority based, or at least quarter, my experience at quarter is, I should say. Um, you know, you should set your schedule expectations in accordance to your seniority and plan around your schedule. It'll make you a lot happier, um, than just expecting to have certain days off. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of different um, things that play into building a schedule. Um, so, you know, pl plan around your schedule. Uh, you get tons of time off, so just plan accordingly that way. Um, when you go to work, be patient. Um, be patient with passengers. Um, people are flying for, like I said, lots of different reasons, and their experience levels with traveling um, on an aircraft, they vary a lot. So you need to be patient and treat everyone with respect. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to vent at the end of the day about, oh, this person did this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you're patient and just, just go with the flow, <laughs> I think some people are probably going to listen to this and be like, Chris, you should probably take your own advice here. <laughs> but, um, go with the flow. It just makes things, that's kind of like my thing that I'm going to, my, my resolution to when I go back to Porter is to just go with the flow better. And that's what I would definitely tell a junior uh, crew member, cabin crew member is it's just to go with it. It's ever changing. Every day is different. And that's kind of the beauty of, of the industry as well. Um, you know, you might have plans, potential plans, to go for dinner in Newark, but you end up in Sudbury. That you know that that stuff happens all of the time, and it's so far beyond your control. So don't stress about things that aren't in your control, which is something that I really need to learn. <laughs> um, 
And I would say, especially starting out, the better prepared you are and the more that you know, the better obviously prepared that you are to deal with situations. And you, you do run into some hairy situations at times, uh, not every day, um, but every day isn't cloud nine either. So you have to, um, you know, be, the more prepared you are and the more in the know you are, the, the easier and smoother things are going to go. Um, I would also tack in there too, um, you know, having layovers is awesome. I love it. Anyway, still, I'm still at a, a good age where I, I love laying over in new cities. Um, but it's about balance too, right? You, you know, you should, I would definitely recommend doing as much as you can um, while you can, um, you know, and really enjoy your layovers, really meet your crew and um, get to know each other. It's not even, you know, it, it'll make the work day go by better too if you, if you get to know your crew members better. And you will, um, and you'll know who you drive with and who you don't as much, but you can still tolerate and respect. Um, but yeah, go out with your crew and, and get to know them. But also, you know, if you're on a, the end of a six day stretch, maybe it might be a good idea to have a rest and take care of your body because flying is extremely hard on your body and, you know, you have to respect your, your limits as well. So, um, I would say in terms of the lifestyle, definitely treat it as a balancing act, you know, have fun, live it up and um, really enjoy yourself, but also respect your body at the same time. Please share with me a favorite highlight or memory from any point in your career. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, I really wish I had written uh, things down, um, you know, in the little journal of uh, different days that I've had. Um, which is something, a resolution, that's what I'll do when I go back. I'll definitely start writing things down um, more. But um, what I could kind of think of is um, I flew Sophie Trudeau to, to Halifax, which I thought was really cool. It was a really uh, good experience, a really good career experience because I was super nervous. Um, but she was actually really nice. It wasn't a big deal. It was all in my head. But it was um, a different level of professionalism that I hadn't really experienced before that I had to kind of um, just without any prior notification of this, I had to just, you know, do it. And um, she had her son with her. So that was, you know, that was cool. Um, you know, and, and acknowledging that, you know, she is an important person and kind of going through what the protocol is for, for flying someone like that. Um, so that was, that was really interesting. I would say, um, there was more down to earth time was, um, I, uh, there's a baby on our flight and I, I love babies. It's not, it's not an issue. It was a very fussy baby. And, you know, the parents had brought every toy they could possibly fit on the plane and nothing was cheering up the baby, but I just had my little keys on my lanyard. And I got to cheer the baby up and I got to hold the baby and mom got to go to the washroom and take a little break. And it was just a really good time. And I didn't think anything of it. I just love doing that. That's genuinely something I enjoy doing. It makes the job rewarding is when I can actually help somebody and make their, like I was saying, make the, make the trip go seamless. But then later on, I think it was maybe the next day, um, I was tagging this post on Facebook from Porter. She had written in and, um, and, and wrote a big, big feedback message, um, 
about how much she appreciated me holding holding the baby and cheering the baby up and what a good job I did and all that. And uh, it felt really, really nice. It was really good that someone had actually acknowledged that. And um, I would say that's something I'm not going to forget. Um, you know, just, just how I made that younger mother feel. Um, you know, the fact that I had her back and, you know, I paid attention to her and I um, addressed her needs at that moment. So I would say that's, that's pretty much a good favorite of mine. I think it's so lovely that you had that experience with the mother and her baby, but also the fact that she took the time to make sure that the organization and the company knew that you had gone above and beyond to make sure that she'd had, and both the baby had a really um, fulfilling customer service experience. So I, I'm glad that you had that feedback from her and that it was recognized by the company. Yeah, me too. And it was, yeah, it was super nice of her to do that and not expect it, but it definitely, you know, every now and then it just makes you realize, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm doing all right with this. Like, this is a good job for me. Now, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, I am recently new on Instagram um, at C-J-O-D-E-A-N dot 902. And I will make sure we have that link in the episode description for our listeners. Clarissa Dean, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Laura. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searle. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us.